The voice of the Blue Bombers one-on-one with Mike O'Shea. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coaches Show brought to you by DeKalb. They are ready to be your number one canola seed. 204-780-6868. We're talking about the coming Banjo Bowl. As Doug Brown said in the uh, pregame show, Coach, I think you're with me. Doug said, and it's the first time I'd ever heard it postulated, the Banjo Bowl. We need to consider that the big game. So we started calling it the Labor Day warm-up to the Banjo Bowl. Can we get you on side with the Banjo Bowl is the big game? I'm I'm on board. I love it. I love it. Shoot us your calls, your texts. We are, of course, uh, the phone lines are already going as you would expect. Let's just kick right in. Uh, I'm going to take up most of this segment with the coach and ask Pete Robertson of the Riders suspended one game for his headbutt to Zach Kalaros. What do you think about the suspension? Yeah, I mean, I think it's warranted. Um, I'm sure everybody's wondering why he wasn't removed from the game when it happened. I think uh, that could be discussed also. But um, I, I know, and I'm not saying this is right, I just know that the officials have a real hard time, you know, ejecting a player. They think that's, it's pretty serious. You know, I think what Pete did was pretty serious. In the grand scheme of uh, of it, does it matter to you that he was <clears throat> not ejected, but is suspended for a game? Well, I, you know, I think in the, when we did our little hit today, you know, I, I think, um, Vernon Adams at the time of the helmet swing <laughs> to Adam Big Hill should have been ejected. And he wasn't, and he made a difference in the game. I think Pete Robertson can make a difference in a game, right? And when he commits a foul like that that's going to result in a suspension, then I, I just believe that, you know, something should happen during the game. Yeah. <laughs> Not a two-and-a-half-yard penalty or whatever it was. Are you bothered by the fact the officials on the field didn't call it? Yeah. I mean, at the time, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't, you know, without the, without the benefit of looking at the film to see where their, where their eyes are. We, you know, we do something in, quite often in football because there's a stripe on our helmet. You can tell where players' eyes are, you know, where they're looking. And so you can coach and make corrections based on, you know, what, what might be getting them in trouble at the beginning of a play or, you know, any point during the play where their eyes could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you, when you watch the film, you just want to see where the officials are looking, right? But, and what I couldn't believe in the moment was how is nobody looking at the one player we're trying to protect more than anybody else? Yeah. I the quarterback. I can't answer that. That's, it it, yeah. it was, yeah, so rhetorical question, but I can't believe it wasn't seen in the moment, and the second we saw it in the replay, we were totally caught off guard because you just you just don't see it. Uh, can I ask you about some of the whatabouts? Do whatever. I, yep, I've this seen. Is, this is your show. Here. There's Let's been go. a real range of, uh, and and I'm on the uh, Morning Big Blue one, the Bombers chat board, and I'm on the Rider fans chat board. And there's been a range of, it's totally fine to kick him out of the league. And that's that's kind of everything. So I wanted to pull out some of the whatabouts and just have you address them. Sure. Uh, those those two extremes should not. They're not uh, <laughs> very 
uh, viable. No, neither neither one of those is no. is valid to me. To me, you don't kick a guy to the league for his first ever offense. Pete Robertson never been fined or suspended. As I went back through the database, uh, the, one of one of the ones was well, Cam Lawson hit Jake Dolagala in the head earlier in the game. Not even in the same ballpark. He did, he his head did make contact with Dolagala's no, no head. No doubt during the play, the quarterback's getting sacked and he's. Wrapping the quarterback up, he didn't duck his head. You know, it's just that's a part of football, and that was flagged, and there was a 15-yard penalty. Yeah, to, to us in the booth, absolutely, it's a penalty in the rules, and I don't know that Lawson could have done anything different, but I sure don't think he intended to, while holding another grown human, try to spear another human being uh, in the head. Uh, another one about is Adam Big Hill spears somebody on every short yardage play. He jumps over the pile and leads with his head. So do the quarterbacks. You know, you could say the same thing, that the quarterback is spearing Adam Big Hill in the head. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Sure, yardage plays are not relevant to this. There, It's the course of, it's through the course of a play. It's not after the whistle with the play completely stopped. I mean, we do have another category called tourist hit, mm. right? That if a player, you know, can't expect it to be contacted, then that's, it's a tourist hit, right? So that falls into the range of that too. During the course of a play, um, when it, especially in running plays, there's a lot of helmet contact that they you can't get rid of in football. You can't possibly get rid of it. All right. Also from the what about list, uh, Zach Kalaros dove and he was talking yeah. crap throughout the game. Yeah, it's that's not his style. The the diving part? <laughs> not none of it. Okay, <laughs> it's not his style. He's a he's a fierce competitor. I don't think he wastes a lot of time, you know, talking. Um, I think he he proves on a regular basis uh, what he's all about with his arm and with his feet, and with his intelligence and with his excellence. Yeah. And uh, I also, I just Zach Claros is not wired to flop. I think Doug Brown had a great explanation on the start today of you're in the play. You know, you're going to get hit. The play's over. You're still thinking you're going to get hit. There's a point where the play is over. Now you don't think you're going to get hit anymore. Yeah. You can, yeah. You can see it on film. Um, I mean, and that's one of the things they, they sort of judge the, that tourist hit um, by as soon as the player's hands drop and they relax their shoulders, they believe the play's over. They believe they're not involved in the play anymore. Whether the play's still going on further down the field, as soon as they just sort of, you can see their shoulders relax, you can see their hands come down, that's a great indicator that they are out of the play. If they get hit after that, it's it's, it's tough. It's, it's underplayed to me how much force a 240-pound man can generate, even on another 220-pound man. Like... It, while he flopped, ah, if I got hit in the head, that's that's not far yeah. from getting hit by a car. If I'm not ready for there's, it, there's a there's a way to watch hits too, right? If you yeah. watch certain contact that turns out to be good contact, you often see same leg, same shoulder. So you plant your right leg as you're driving with your right shoulder. Okay, and usually if it's opposite leg, opposite shoulder, the contact does not even look the same. So if you see same leg, same shoulder. Well, I'm not saying Pete hit him with his shoulder, hit him with his head, but it's the same 
leg force, you know? Okay. Yep. It's, it's interesting. Uh, Football guys would see it differently. One of my, I, I don't want to say favorites, but one of the one that always gives me a giggle was in the what abouts is, well, Mike O'Shea was as dirty a player as, as there was. <laughs> well, I, I, I did play on the edge and there was a time where whoever whatever guy thought it was a good idea to write some sort of survey and make, make stuff up. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I did play on the edge, but um, I think the game was a lot different back then too. You know, there was a lot of stuff that went on in the game in all sports that was um, part of it. Right. I mean, they're talking about getting, or they are getting rid of fighting in hockey in the, in the queue. In the queue. Yep. Right. So nobody would have ever thought that 20 years ago, that that was even viable. Like that was going to be a solution. Right. So the way football was played 20 years ago um, was different than it's played now. And that's a good thing. It, it absolutely is. Cause it's mm-hmm. as a fan, it's hard to watch football from 20 years ago and go, Oh really? That was, Ugh, yeah, that's a that's a well 40 years ago. That's a clothesline. Ugh, that's Ronnie Lott taking a guy in the head. Oh, that's that's not great. Uh, final one. We'll hit the break and then we'll get to some of the calls. Gail, Dave, Elliot, Justin and Don. I appreciate you hanging with us. There's some criticism of how much you want to wade into this. Craig Dickinson didn't take the player out of the game after the situation. If that was your player, what would you have done as the coach in that situation? The headbutt, they're about to go first and goal from your two, and a touchdown gives them the lead. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, if, you know, wasn't flagged on the field, the command center, by then it's sort of, there's so much time has lapsed, right? I don't know what you do. Time lapsed, like you feel like he's had a chance, the player's no, had a chance I, to I calm down? I just think that the, the situation is feels different, okay. right? Like, um yeah, I may, depending on how angry I am, but I think Craig wasn't angry, right? He was apparently fine. So, you know, you, if I'm, if I think that that's, uh, you know, terribly costly, I, you think about it, you know? You think the player has lost control, you definitely think about pulling him out because he could just do it again, <laughs> do something again, right? I think that's one of the things you look at I'm, if I'm thinking about, and I, I haven't really had to do that. If you're thinking about pulling a player, you just, you're looking at a guy who can't, or his teammates can't get him under control. But I'm not sure that that was the case either there. You know? All right. There's, there's my volley of questions. We have a ton of calls. We appreciate you hanging on. We're going to take a break and then we're going to start getting into them. It's the coaches show with Mike O'Shea on 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coaches Show brought to you by DeKalb. Right now, save up to $50 a bag on DeKalb canola seed. Terms and conditions apply. Derek Taylor and head coach Mike O'Shea. I'm going to get out of the way, and Gail is on with us. Gail, thank you so much for your patience. You're on with the head coach. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, Condolences to the team and you and the loss. It was a great game, though. Back and forth, back and forth. It was wonderful. I enjoyed every minute of it. Now that we've beaten the horse about Caleros, I'm getting on to the next game. Um, having seen Dolagala up close and personal in this last game, what do you need to watch for to readjust for his 
the tower. I've nicknamed him the tower. <laughs> and uh, my wish, because it's my 65th birthday, my wish, I won't say it because it won't come true if I say it, so I'll take your answers off air. Have a good game on Saturday. Bye. Thanks, Gail. Happy um, birthday, Gail. Yeah. Happy birthday. So I don't think there's anything necessarily that he showed us, um, you know, that you don't see in with other opportunities. I think what was excellent for him was his poise and the fact that he took care of the football. Right, he really didn't give us a lot of opportunities. There was a couple overthrown balls that you'd like to you'd like to get a jump on faster and get to, um, but I'm not so sure he gave us any really great opportunities um, for interceptions. I thought the first shot of the game, um, Winston Rose had a chance to pick it. And he knocks it down. Other than that, um, there was he he. Showed good arm strength. Obviously, we knew that, but he he had some fairly accurate throws on the sidelines that were just over top of defenders and just sort of in there. He did have a couple overthrows, like I said, and a couple high throws um, that were a little shorter too. But didn't really give us a chance to capitalize on much, which is interesting. You gotta create that pressure. I thought we did pressure him <coughs> a fair bit. Uh, but he, he he stood in there and handled it well and delivered the football. And um, I was, I don't want to say impressed. He doesn't need me to feel impressed. You know, I as a person watching the game, I, it, his poise was excellent, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, second and 10, they're on their own four-yard line. They throw in and out to your sideline and Demario Houston yeah. tries to to get it. Is, it... I don't know what to say about that play. What what's your feeling about the, the it's play? Not a good play. Okay. <laughs> it's it's second fourteen from the four. As I said to Demario, your turnover there, your takeaway there is the tackle. Cause they're punting. Because he was not at the first down mark. He was gonna be two yards, two and a half yards shy. So if you just play the route instead of the undercut. You play the the man running the route, either knock it down or just just usher him out of bounds right there. And now they're punting. We get the ball at midfield, first down away from scoring, right? So, yep, the interception for a touchdown is the glamorous play, but you're still getting points if we if we just make the tackle. And that was my explanation to the team and how I'd I'd like to see it done in something like that. You could play it, you could play the route better for sure, but. Um, yeah, the the aiming point when he undercut it was was off too. So it's too bad because it turned into a sixty four yard play, which is a massive amount of yards when they're backed up second and fourteen from the four. Yeah, to pull off a sixty four yard play and put themselves right away in points into field goal position, that's a that's a big swing. You got to make them earn it over and over and over again, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. go to Dave online too. Dave, thank you for your patience. You're on with the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Hi there. Hi. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, do we have a challenge in uh, overtime? Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, was the uh, two-point convert in overtime reviewed? Yeah, they review all scoring plays. I, I was... Like the ground. Yeah, it looks like that to me too. I think if they called it incomplete and Dickie were to challenge it, it would have been left incomplete. 
I think they call it complete, which they do on most plays in the end zone like that. They call them touchdowns and scores, and they let the command center sort it out. So any the unfortunate part about that, although it does increase scoring in the CFL by a slight margin, I would say, the drawback to it is if it's really tight, they they can't really overturn it. So, yep, I don't think he had a great handle on the ball. There was more than half the ball sticking out from his right elbow and shoulder when he went to the ground, and then he obstructs the view of the official standing right there because he just takes a second to put his hands up like he got it. And by the time he rolls back over, he's got his hand covering the tip of the ball. What do I think? Yeah, I think he the ball was on the carpet and trapped, but I don't know that there's yeah. any evidence to overturn it. And plus it's already reviewed. So challenging yeah. it after they review it, I've, yeah, you can, you're just wasting a challenge probably because I don't think, don't think the command center guy is going to make a decision after looking at it and then make another decision. If you don't think that they looked at it long enough, like sometimes you can make a challenge that you know is supposed to be reviewed already because there was very little time that lapsed and you could say, I'd, I'd want to give them more time, you know. Yeah, that's fair. But this one, yeah. I I didn't, I didn't like it either. I didn't like it either, but I don't, I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't know how that's even going to change if I challenge it. I, I think you nailed it by saying that either way, it, it wasn't going to get overturned yeah. based on the video evidence that we had. Dave, thank you so much for your call. Well, I got to hit the break, but appreciate you. Summer. Yeah. Super quick. Not cool to run up the score, but feel free to do it <laughs> next Saturday. I'll just take a win. <laughs> Dave, I'm in for a 50 burger. I'm with you 100%. Appreciate you being with us on the coaches show. It's 726. Uh, Elliot, Justin and Don hang with us through the news. If you would, please, uh, we will definitely get to you with the head coach, Mike O'Shea right here on 680 CJOB. The Proline Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coach Show brought to you by DeKalb. They are ready to be your number one canola seed. 204-780-6868 for your calls and texts. Elliot, thank you so much for hanging with us. You're first up in this half hour with the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Coach, I have to say, I appreciate everything you do for this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team. I've been a, a Bomber fan for a long time, and your composure on the sidelines is second to none. Um, you represent Winnipeg so well in all facets of the game. Um, I do have a couple of requests for you. Um, do you complete, do you, uh, Buck Pierce calls all the offensive plays? Yeah. He yeah. does. Okay. Yeah. Does he have any gadget plays? Like I would love to see a couple of flea flickers thrown in. I'm guaranteeing you guys would get touchdowns from him. And, uh, cause I've seen it before. He says our receivers are so lethal. It's amazing. I just see them at the end of the place. Like, How come he's got them all in different spots or whatever, or not in different spots, and there's wide places on the other side of the field are wide open. He says, man, he's got to have a flea flicker or two thrown in. We would kill everybody. And uh, this other thought came through. When you guys were downing the ball to go into overtime, you know what the Dan Marino fake did, right? Yeah, the fake knee? Correct. The fake spike. Yeah. yeah. Correct. The fake spike. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, my God throw a fake spike and we win this game or, like, or huck I'd it up love, and look for pass interference, Elliot, right? 
What's that? H- huck it up in that spot and look for a pass interference call, hopefully. Oh, I think there you wouldn't have to because there's nobody with a thought of covering that. You send Bailey or somebody like Zach pretends to go down, steps back one time, and Bailey's like take one, two steps, gone. We win the game. We oh. would have won the game easily. I says, man, that's a fake spike, perfect spot to do it. <laughs> well, so, Dan uh, Marino was on like the 12-yard line or 15-yard line, something like that. You guys were on like the minus... 26 or whatever yeah, it was but, but yeah be, but being unpredictable like that we would become we're dangerous right now we become lethal nobody would stop us with a little bit more creativity in it and the only other concern i've got is that the db seem to be always getting like if you don't get pressure from your front four or seven guys our dbs look like they're kind of like floundering back there i know houston's got five or seven picks but he seems like fuck we got beat deep that's that's the one, Elliot. Thank you. Appreciate your uh, call. Uh, that one that one slipped away. Uh, the uh, end game scenario. The could you run a flea flicker in the end game scenario there? Um, Combine a couple of them. You you really want to look at the clock if you're if you're throwing deep with no time on the clock. Basically, you're looking for the pi. How many pis do you see on Big Ben end of game in the end zone scenarios? None, right? Yeah, I'd have to have, dig in and look. It's where rare. you have, yeah, where you have three receivers and three DBs, four DBs, and everybody's up jostling for the ball. It'll never get called. Is there a higher probability to get it's called if it's a one-on-one matchup and no one else is around? Yes, but if it's the last play of the game, last-ditch effort, there, I think there would be a reluctance to call PI unless it's really egregious. Um, so then you've got to make sure the clock is gone, right? Yeah. You have to, you have to be cognizant of the clock, which it would be, you'd, you'd run it down. We operate very well. I mean, it's, it's certainly a possibility. Um, yeah. And I don't see why not the only, you know, adverse thing that could happen is you get an interception, the receiver falls down, the guy runs it back into field goal range or runs it back and punts it. I should say not field goal range, runs it back and punts it. You know, that's really the only bad thing. Yeah. It happened. He could run it back for a touchdown, but that's not going to happen. But you could run it back and they could punt it for a single and you're tied. You know, those are all things that sometimes when you try to mess with the football gods, <laughs> they strike back, right? Well, and on, on the flea flicker thing, the element of surprise might be gone after Labor Day weekend because a running back threw a touchdown pass right. and a receiver threw a touchdown pass for Toronto and Edmonton, that, that's respectively. All, and that's always a conversation in the coach's room after every set of games is what plays got run that are on your board, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Then you have to use that as going forward to judge what are we going to do. Uh, Justin is with us. Justin, appreciate you hanging with us since the beginning of the show. You're on with the head coach, Michael Shea. Hey, coach! Much love and respect for you. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job because you got way more rings than I do. On that note, uh, with Janarian Grant being out and hurt, uh, it hurts the, the return team a lot. Like um, our return game is poor at best. What are the chances we see maybe a different scheme scheming where uh, it's like maybe full emphasis on punt block or uh, I don't know what other options. Do you want to put forward this week to try and change the change the uh, strategy? Yeah, um, we we have various punt blocks in every single 
weak, and you really only call them in certain situations um, based on field position and down and distance and those things. They're, whenever you run a, a punt block, you run the risk of contacting the punter. There, there has to be a tremendous amount of discipline, and sometimes you could have a guy that's free, but if he gets pushed off his angle a little bit, he has to abort the mission because he's he's going to run through the block point. Not He's going to run through the punter, not the block point. So, yep, those are strategies. You see how many punts get blocked in a season compared to how many returns. It's It just doesn't happen. Like the, the quality of the punt teams and the special teams coaches stuff now is very high. There's not a lot of busts or personnel issues. So you either attack a system for a punt block or you attack a, a personnel issue they have. And they're just really... Those opportunities are really few and far between. We do have, like I said, a couple systems thing built in every single game to try and take advantage of something. But um, it's rare. I mean, we used to block a lot more uh, several years ago, uh, but I think teams were still trying to figure out their new punt systems, right, because the league changed to not allowing guys to leave early. Like there was just some changes going on. And I think we took advantage of some things like that. Um, plus, Paul Boudreau brought a few ideas from where he had been before um, that were a little fresh for the CFL. You know, mm. their teams are wary of them now. But, um, yeah, our, we, we would certainly like a better return average. But the number one job of any return team is to get the ball back, possession back to the offense. Right. So are we, we're averaging about 3.9 or whatever yards less now than we were with Janarian. But, um, you know, ball security would be the number one issue right now. Yeah. Well, good luck on uh, Saturday. I'll see you there. And I also booked my ticket to DC. So I'll see you guys in DC as well. Awesome. Appreciate the support. Thank you very much. Oh, Justin's in for the big game in BC, October 6th. I, I love it. Uh, while we're on the punt game, uh, Chris, who tweets at Stats Junkie and is an invaluable resource uh, to me, uh, says nine minutes ago, down two points, uh, you chose to de- to decline a no yards penalty, which would have been uh, for, uh, what first down on the 30. And instead, take the sing, give them the single point, make it a three-point game, and get the ball on the 40. Yeah. That's the one I look at over and over again. That's the one I've been talking the most about with the guys I talk football with. It, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones that just trying to give. We were going to put the single anyway. Penalty or no penalty, we were giving up the single to start the play, right? The, the returner goes on knowing that if he kicks it, uh, I think the ball landed at the four. Yeah. Right? If he, We're not returning it if it if it's inside the 10. If it, if it comes down around the 10, we're going to return it. If it comes down past the 10, we're going to see if we can get the single, play for the field position, believing that our offense is going to drive the field and score, which we did. We drove down and scored. So the point to me... The, the difference is that is 10 yards worth a point. Is your offense going to drive uh, from the 30 and score the touchdown, or does it matter if they drive from the 30 or the 40? In this case, I 
now, hindsight being what it is, they drove. They could have driven from the 30, possibly. But that's also the drive that, that Pete took a penalty on, isn't it? The same drive? It was, yep. Yeah, so we actually got stopped. We're kicking a field goal. They take a, an egregious penalty. We would have been tying it up with a field goal, and then who knows, the game's different. But I like the 40 rather than the 30. I think the stats have shown that the 40 makes a difference. Um I don't know the exact numbers. You might know the exact numbers. <laughs> but 25 yards to, to kick a field goal versus 35 yards to possibly kick a field goal. Uh, yeah. Once again, that that's the one. The one at the end of the game, we're always giving up that single. Uh, just, just for folks, three minutes left. You're up 24-20. The, it's going to be a three-minute warning on the other side of this play. Uh, and you give up the single to make it 24-21. Yeah, ball bounced at the two. They had cover guys at the 15 when we would have been receiving it. So we would have not, we most likely would have been stopped around the 12 or so possibly, which is a long field. Now you punt back or net in 38. If you punt, if you go two and out, which we did, unfortunately, we gained three yards. If you do that from there, they're at the plus 53 midfield, but now they got to score a touchdown, which I, I can see that point. You know, you they haven't really scored uh, like that. They've been kicking field goals. But then my head goes to they have three downs to do it. Yeah. Um, which is, to me, a, a big advantage for the offense when they can go three down football from inside our 50, let's say. You know, they're um, – and they drove down. We stopped them on third uh, – second and five. They have to kick the field goal now. They're not going for it to win the game. It's just to they've, go to overtime. Yes. They've They're got probably to, an underdog in overtime. They've got to kick the field goal right there, which I at that point I'm like, yes. Because yeah. now we call the timeout, and now we've got 27 seconds left to get our points back and win the game. It didn't work out. We threw a long ball to, to Nick, which would have put us in field goal range. Yep. And um, it didn't work out. Yeah, uh, that's one thing that's important to remember for everybody is if it just gets you to overtime, it's not to win the game. Like it's overtime is it's not really a 50 50 proposition, but oh, we we drove to tie. Congratulations. You just you played for a coin flip. If you don't get touchdown, if you drove for the touchdown, different deal. Overtime's a different deal. And there's a there's a lot that goes into. Yeah. I'll, I'll just go back to that. The, the nine minute one. That's the one that I'm thinking about the most. Yeah, I'm I'm. I might do it differently the next time it comes up just to see what the outcomes are to see if it's any, yeah. any different. But I, I did hem and haw on that one and debated on the sideline and I chose that way. Some decisions are incredibly, incredibly close when you make them. It is 746. Rob, coming to you next on the other side. The Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. The Proline Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coach Show brought to you by DeKalb. They are ready to be your number one canola seed. 204-780-6868 for your calls and texts. Elliot, thank you so much for hanging with us. You're first up in this half hour with the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Coach, I have to say, I appreciate everything you do for this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team. I've been a, a Bomber fan for a long time, and your composure on the sidelines is second to none. Um, you represent Winnipeg so well in all facets of the game. Um, I do have a couple of requests for you. Um, do you complete, do you, uh, Buck Pierce calls all the offensive plays? 
Yeah. He yeah. does? Okay. Yeah. Does he have any gadget plays? Like, I would love to see a couple of flea flickers thrown in. I'm guaranteeing you guys would get touchdowns from him. And because uh, I've seen it before, he says, our receivers are so lethal. It's amazing. I just see them at the end of the place. Like, How come he's got them all in different spots or whatever? Or not in different spots. And there's wide places on the other side of the field are wide open. He says, man, he's got to have a flea flicker or two thrown in. We would kill everybody. And uh, this other thought came through. When you guys were downing the ball to go into overtime, you know what the Dan Marino fake did, right? Yeah, the fake knee? Correct. The fake spike. Yeah. yeah. Correct. The fake spike. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, my God. Throw a fake spike and we win this game. Or like, or huck it up luck. and look for pass interference, Elliot, right? What's that? H- huck it up in that spot and look for a pass interference call, hopefully. Oh, I think there you wouldn't have to because there's nobody would have thought of covering that. You send Bailey or somebody like Zach pretends to go down, steps back one time, and Bailey's like monk take one, two steps, gone. We win the game. We oh. would have won the game easily. I says, man, that's a fake spike, perfect spot to do it. Well, so, Dan uh, Marino was on like the 12 yard line or 15 yard line, something like that. You guys were on like the minus 26 or whatever yeah, it was. But, but yeah. Be, but being unpredictable like that, we would become, we're dangerous right now. We become lethal. Nobody would stop us with a little bit more creativity in it. And the only other concern I've got is that the DBs seem to be always getting, like, if you don't get pressure from your front four or seven guys, our DBs look like they're kind of like floundering back there. I know Houston's got five or seven picks, but he seems like, fuck, we got beat deep. That's, that's the one Elliot. Thank you. Appreciate your uh, call. Uh, That one, that one slipped away. Uh, The uh, end game scenario, the, could you run a flea flicker in the end game scenario there? Um, Combine a couple of them. You, you really want to, Look at the clock. If you're if you're throwing deep with no time on the clock, basically you're looking for the PI. How many PIs do you see on Big Ben end of game in the end zone scenarios? None. Right? Yeah, I'd have to have, dig in a look. It's where rare. you have yeah, where you have three receivers and three DBs, four DBs, and everybody's up jostling for the ball. It'll never get called. Is there a higher probability to get it's called if it's a one-on-one matchup and no one else is around? Yes, but if it's the last play of the game, last-ditch effort, there, I think there would be a reluctance to call PI unless it's really egregious. Um, so then you've got to make sure the clock is gone. Right? Yeah. You have to you have to be cognizant of the clock, which it would be. You'd, you'd run it down. We operate very well. I mean, it's it's certainly a possibility. Um yeah, and I don't see why not. The only, you know, adverse thing that could happen is you get an interception, the receiver falls down, the guy runs it back into field goal range, or runs it back and punts it, I should say, not field goal range, runs it back and punts it. You know, that's really the only bad thing. Yeah. It could happen. He could run it back for a touchdown, but that's not going to happen. But you could run it back and they could punt it for a single and you're tied. You know, those are all things that sometimes when you – Try to mess with the football gods. <laughs> they strike back, right? Well, and on on the flea flicker thing, the element of surprise might be gone after Labor Day weekend because a running back threw a touchdown pass right. and a receiver threw a touchdown pass for Toronto and Edmonton, that's respectively. All, and that's always a conversation in the coaches' room after every set of games: is what plays got run that are on your board, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
then you have to use that as going forward to judge what are we going to do. Uh, Justin is with us. Justin, appreciate you hanging with us since the beginning of the show. You're on with the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Hey, coach. Much love and respect for you. Uh, I am, uh, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job because you've got way more rings than I do. On that note, uh, with Janarian Grant being out and hurt, uh, it hurts the, the return team a lot. Like um, Our return game is poor at best. What are the chances we see maybe a different scheming where uh, it's like maybe full emphasis on punt block or uh, I don't know, what other options do you want to put forward this week to try and change the change the uh, strategy? Yeah. Um, we, we have various punt blocks in every single week and you really only call them in certain situations um, based on field position and down and distance and those things there, whenever you run a, a punt block, you run the risk of contacting the punter. There, there has to be a tremendous amount of discipline. And sometimes you could have a guy that's free, but if he gets pushed off his angle a little bit, he has to abort the mission because he's, he's going to run through the block point. Not he's going to run through the punter, not the block point. So, Yep, those are strategies. You see how many punts get blocked in a season compared to how many returns. It's it just doesn't happen. Like the the quality of the punt teams and the special teams coaches stuff now is very high. There's not a lot of busts or personnel issues. So you either attack a system for a punt block or you attack a, a personnel issue they have. And they're just really those opportunities are really few and far between. We do have, like I said, a couple systems thing built in every single game to try and take advantage of something. But um, it's rare. I mean, we used to block a lot more uh, several years ago, uh, but I think teams were still trying to figure out their new punt systems, right? Because the league changed to not allowing guys to leave early. Like there was just some changes going on. And I think we took advantage of some things like that. Um, plus, Paul Boudreaux brought a few ideas from where he had been before um, that were a little fresh for the CFL. You know, mm. their teams are wary of them now. But, um, yeah, our, we, we would certainly like a better return average. But the number one job of any return team is to get the ball back, possession back to the offense. Right. So are we, we're averaging about 3.9 or whatever yards less now than we were with Janarian. But, um, you know, ball security would be the number one issue right now. Yeah. Well, good luck on uh, Saturday. I'll see you there. And I also booked my ticket to BC. So I'll see you guys in BC as well. Awesome. Appreciate the support. Thank you very much. Oh, Justin's in for the big game in BC, October 6th. I, I love it. Uh, while we're on the punt game, uh, Chris, who tweets at Stats Junkie and is an invaluable resource uh, to me, uh, says nine minutes ago, down two points, uh, you chose to de- to decline a no yards penalty, which would have been uh, for, what first down on the 30. And instead, take the sing, give them the single point, make it a three-point game, and get the ball in the 40. Yeah. That's the one I look at over and over again. That's the one I've been talking the most about with the guys I talk football with. That, um, yeah, it's 
It's one of those ones that just trying to give. We were giving up the single anyway. Penalty or no penalty, we were giving up the single to start the play, right? The, the returner goes on knowing that if he kicks it, uh, I think the ball landed at the four. Yeah. Right. If he, we're not returning it. If it, if it's inside the ten, if it, if it comes down around the ten, we're going to return it. If it comes down past the ten, we're going to see if we can get the single, play for the field position, believing that our offense is going to drive the field and score, which we did. We drove down and scored. So the point to me, the the difference is that is ten yards worth a point. Is your offense going to drive uh, from the thirty and score the touchdown or? Does it matter if they drive from the 30 or the 40? In this case, I now, hindsight being what it is, they drove. They could have driven from the 30, possibly. But that's also the drive that, that Pete took a penalty on, isn't it? The same drive? It was, yep. Yeah, so we actually got stopped. We're kicking a field goal. They take an, an egregious penalty. We would have been tying it up with a field goal, and then who knows, the game's different. But... I like the 40 rather than the 30. I think the stats have shown that the 40 makes a difference. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. You might know the exact numbers. <laughs> but 25 yards to, to kick a field goal versus 35 yards to possibly kick a field goal. Uh, yeah. Once again, that that's the one. The one at the end of the game, we're always giving up that single. Uh, just, for, just for folks, three minutes left. You're up 24-20. The, it's going to be a three-minute warning on the other side of this play, uh, and you give the single to make it 24-21. Yeah, ball bounced at the two. They had cover guys at the 15 when we would have been receiving it. So we would have not. We Most likely we would have been stopped around the 12 or so, possibly, which is a long field. Now you punt back. We're netting 38. If you punt, if you go two and out, which we did, unfortunately, we gain three yards if you do that from there. They're at the plus 53 They're midfield. Plus 50. But now they got to score a touchdown, which I, I can see that point. You know, you they haven't really scored uh, like that. They've been kicking field goals. But then my head goes to they have three downs to do it. Yeah. Um, which is, to me, a, a big advantage for the offense when they can go three down football from inside our 50, let's say. You know, they're um, – and they drove down – we stopped him on third, on uh, second and five. They have to kick the field goal now. They're not going for it to win the game. It's just to they've, go to overtime. Yes, they're gotta, probably an underdog in overtime. They've got to kick the field goal right there. Which I, at that point, I'm like, yes, because yeah. now we call the timeout, and now we've got 27 seconds left to get our points back and win the game. It didn't work out. We threw a long ball to, to Nick, which would have put us in field goal range. Yep, and. Um, it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing that's important to remember for everybody is if it just gets you to overtime, it's not to win the game. Like it's overtime is it's not really a 50, 50 proposition, but Oh, we, we drove to tie. Congratulations. You just, you played for a coin flip. If you don't get touched, if you drove for the touchdown, different deal. Overtime's a different deal. And there's a, there's a lot that goes into. Yeah. I'll, I'll just go back to that. The, the nine minute one, that's the one that I'm thinking about the most. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I might do it differently the next time it comes up just to see what the outcomes are to see if it's any, yeah. any different. But I, I did hem and haw on that one and debated on the sideline and I chose that way. 
Some decisions are incredibly, incredibly close when you make them. It is 746. Rob, coming to you next on the other side. The Coaches Show on 680 CJOB.